In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're gonna have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. We are going to be talking today, a continuation of our series entitled A Missing Piece. We're going to be talking about diastasis. And you can call it diastasis, diastasis. Where are we at on the I always, I always call it diastasis recti. I know that diastasis is also widely used as well. I'm going to go with there's not one right answer except for my way. Perfect. DR, that's Nicole's thing. There's not a right answer except what I say goes. So as we're going to be talking about that, we're going to dive in. A couple of quick announcements before we do. One, if you are interested in all things Pelvicon, make sure you're following Pelvicon underscore official on Instagram. We are likely going to be able to release a handful more in-person tickets. So pay attention, check your emails for that if that's something that you want to be a part of. We won't talk all about it here, but obviously like the pelvic health event of the year. We're really excited about it. We're starting to get into the nitty gritty of the planning, but just an incredible speaker lineup. So feel free to head to pelvicon.com to check that out. Also, if you are a business wannabe, somebody who's thinking about starting a practice or an existing practice owner, we are actually going to have some really exciting news for both groups of you. So also just be paying attention as we head into May. You can always check stuff out in the pelvic PT slash OT entrepreneur group on Facebook, but check your emails as well for that. We've got some really, really exciting things that we have been planning for a long time that are coming to fruition, and I cannot wait to talk to you guys about that. So those are our announcements. Let's dive in, Nicole. Diastasis, a missing piece. And for those of you guys who have not followed along for some of this series, this is not the missing piece, but this is something that Nicole feels is often overlooked or brushed over or not given enough attention when it comes to these different diagnoses. We've done one on the postpartum evaluation, one on prolapse, one on stress urinary incontinence, and now we're going to be talking about diastasis recti. So Nicole, what is a missing piece? What do we often overlook or not look at enough? So as we all know, diastasis recti is the it happens in the front, right? It's the the separation of the linea alba. There is a ton of differing theories on what is actually happening, and and when you start to actually dive into the research about this and other experts' opinions, it's actually quite shocking how much we don't know about diastasis. But what we do know is that in order to help people with it, we need to be looking at the back and also, and not just the front. So diastasis happens in the front of the linea with when the linea alba separates. 
But what I think that most people brush over is we immediately go to transversus abdominis contractions and a lot of anterior abdominal wall strengthening types of things. But I think that a missing piece is to actually look at the back and specifically the external obliques and some of the posterior paraspinals that also contribute to the excessive rib flaring and also the making it more difficult for the linea alba to come together again. So when we're talking about these missing pieces, I always kind of want to ask you, Nicole, what happens if you don't look at this, right? Because, you know, you just start, You it would seem to me to be like, oh yeah, of course, you're just doing kind of strengthening stuff. You're doing stuff at the front. What happens if you're not looking at some of those things in the back? So to me, addressing something like the external obliques, which is, you know, part of the abdominal wall, it's part of the side abdominal wall. But if you look at some of the anatomical in origins and insertions of it, it's actually quite extensive. And And if we don't look at external obliques and some of the things in the lumbar paraspinals, then what we can be doing is asking our patient to do something that they're physically incapable of doing. One of my orthopedic professors, his name is Steve Fertig. He doesn't teach anymore at Chapman. He teaches at, uh, I think, University of Montana now. But he always was like, putting into our brains, like, do not ask your patient to do something that they're physically incapable of doing. So for instance, if we're saying things like stack your rib cage over your pelvis, contract your transversus abdominis, it's like, do they actually have the range of motion, the physical ability to do what you're asking them to do? And a lot of times I find that especially in a postpartum person who has spent a ton of time in excessive anterior pelvic tilt to accommodate the growing uterus that your abdominals are stretching out, your external obliques are tightening as, and your thoracolumbar junction area is getting stiffer and stiffer. That has been happening progressively for nine, 10 months. And then the baby comes out, the abdominal wall kind of goes back, even though if you've ever been pregnant before, sometimes it looks like a freaking waterbed. <laughs> Remember when that happened to me? Remember when you looked at my abdomen and you were like, whoa, <laughs> that was crazy. Anyways, so you know we want to start strengthening right away. And really at the end of the day, it becomes a lot of appropriate reception into where your rib cage is stacking over your pelvis and your pelvis and your lumbar spine and your lower thoracic spine is all in a different position and we have to get it to go there. But we also have to take into consideration what it's coming from. And it's coming from a place where we have an excessive anterior pelvic tilt and a shortening of the lumbar paraspinals. And also because some of the external oblique fibers actually in the posterior direction run more vertically, they also shorten there as well. And if those stay shortened, it's going to create, because of the the way that the external obliques originate at the ribs 5 to 12, that's going to create a a sort of rigidity in the spine that is going to keep the ribs essentially like flared and not allow them to come back and give the length that you need in order to start to get a better transversus abdominis contraction. 
Got it. So basically, you're going to continue to have this. Is my my engineer brain thinking about that, but you're going to continue to have this force on the system that's kind of counteracting what you're trying to help them do, right? Because they're trying to strengthen the front. They're trying to stack the ribs over the pelvis, whatever the hell that means. I've seen it on Instagram all the time. I still don't really get it. But they're trying to do all that. But at the same time, their back is like tugging everything backwards. And now you've got this this dynamic tension. You're almost like having your abs fight against your low back or your obliques there. And you're saying, hey, if, if we can actually let those obliques relax, loosen, slack, whatever that is, the abs aren't going to have to work as hard to do to put their stuff back together. Is that kind of like in a layman's term? Yeah. And which is exactly kind of how I would describe it to a patient. The other thing that you can do, and I know that we're on a podcast and you can't really see a visual, but if everybody were to wear sort of like a, if you are wearing a shirt right now, hopefully if you're wearing a shirt right now, yes. Well, I'm out. (laughs) If you're wearing a shirt right now, I want you to, to bunch the back of it. And you, what you can see happening is that the it tightens a little bit in the front, right? So you have a lot of bunching in the back and and the front. If you had to, if you actually drew, and you've seen people, some people do this on Instagram and stuff. If you draw like the linea alba and the rectus abdominis on the front, and you scrunch and you gather all of the excess in the back, and and so and approximate what it would be to like tighten your back muscles, the the stuff on the front of your shirt actually stretches. And so what I'm proposing that you do is look at the back and actually do potentially some manual therapy, some child's pose, some approximating or some lengthening of the entire back musculature, including the external obliques in in order to get more slack at the front so that those fibers can start to articulate and you can actually get a better co-contraction of the transversus abdominis at the same time. Got it. So when in your journey with the patient does this start? Is this something you're looking at on the evaluation and you're working at on day one? Is this something that maybe happens a little later in the plan of care? When does that start to be added into what you're working with them on? Well, I think that that part of the reason why we put this as the A missing piece is that it's missing at the beginning of the assessment. So a lot of times we end up coming back to this when we're having somebody that who's having a hard time finding their transversus or you know something just isn't working or they're having a hard time with overgripping of their external obliques because they can't find where their rib cage is. So all of those things increase abdominal in increase intra-abdominal pressure, make it more difficult for you to help that diastasis go go away. But I feel like a lot of times we'll end up coming back to this towards the end, but I'm advocating for you guys to do this at the beginning of any postpartum evaluation. So one of the first things that I do is that I am doing, and I just use my finger with measurement. I know that there's some other things out there, but for right now I'm doing finger width and finger depth to assess the diastasis and I'm doing it along the entire abdominal wall, not just up just at the umbilicus or or just below or just above it. So we're looking at to make sure that we don't miss something that's higher, which a lot of the times there is. So once we sort of get a picture of that, then I also go immediately to um, looking at rotation and 
actually looking at shoulder flexion because external obliques also interdigitate with the latissimus dorsi and the uh, serratus anterior. And so shoulder blade and shoulder position can also influence how well the external oblique is working and how much length it has. And so I'm looking at all of those things and actually treating there first, adding rotation in um, pretty early on into my diastasis treatment plan. And only after we get length there and more, yeah, just awareness in the thoracolumbar junction area, more awareness of where their pelvis is in space because it's it's a new change now that there's not a baby there anymore. And once we get some balance training with their center of gravity and all of those things, only then do I sort of go into the front and be like, okay, now can we do some breath work with the transverses abdominis recruitment and all that kind of stuff? Most often you'll find that they don't really have a quote weakness of the transversus. They they have the transversus is working been working great to try to improve that stability as they've been pregnant. And then it needs a little bit more of the proprioceptive awareness and the ability to get the rib cage and the lumbar spine and the thoracolumbar junction area in a better position to allow that to happen, to allow that contraction to happen. And so once we work on all of that other stuff, then the teaching of the core coordination is so much easier. So you're actually almost reversing the order that maybe a lot of people might treat in is a lot of people would start with the breathing, the core stuff. And then if that's not working as well as they want, or if it's taking too long or the patient's getting frustrated or whatever is happening, then it's like, ah, shoot, there must be something else going on. Now I'll look at the back. You're saying reverse that, start with the back, and let that kind of influence the front. Yes. And I do in interject a lot of breathing things as we're going through, right? Because I feel like that is something that I'm always incorporating into sort of every treatment that I do. But yeah, I would say that sometimes for diastasis, I actually start with some manual therapy techniques to the lumbar paraspinals, external oblique, intercostals. And then work that into potentially like a child's pose or something like that, where you're you're elongating that back area. You're starting to get a posterior pelvic tilt. Maybe you're doing some cat camel. And so you're doing some of those things all to help what's happening at the front. So I think you've mentioned a couple little things through here, but I wanted to maybe pull them out a little bit more too. So what are something that you would be having a patient do in your kind of treatment philosophy for diastasis with this missing piece, thinking about the back? Like what's a exercise or self-care technique that you might have a patient doing that probably wouldn't be if you, if you weren't looking at the back? Mm, yeah, I guess the child's pose situation. And I, and I think like thread the needle and that would, which we're starting to introduce some rotation. We can even do thread the needle with some active other rotation as well, because I feel like if we start to do that, then, and we start to incorporate breathing and breathing into different parts of the rib cage with that, then we are in fact activating the entire abdominal core canister. And we're not just focusing on transversus and really approximating that linea alba. To me, that happens as a result of these other things that we're doing, not 
let's really hyper-focus on getting the linea alba to approximate, and then we'll add on the core coordination stuff. I also feel like this helps with patience as well, so that we're not hyper-obsessing about the gap or anything like that. It's like, let's just get your spine and your entire core canister in a better position, and then we'll check your diastasis again and see, is it even something that we need to quote unquote treat? And ironically, on the back end, we are treating it as we are going through. But for those people that are really, really, really hyper obsessive with the gap and they've heard some misinformation on Instagram and stuff like that, that's part of the education that you do as well. And I like that shirt analogy. A lot of times I'll do that with a patient so they can kind of see like, look, and I totally get that that's where you're seeing the big dysfunction. But the actual reason for that dysfunction is coming from a different place. And then I sort of show them what their body position might have been like during the pregnancy, showing them how much lack of rotation that they have and that everything is sort of moving forward, showing them all of those things. And then being like, we're going to restore the foundation first. And then we're going to kind of come back to the abdominal, the beginning of the abdominal, the front of the abdominal wall and see what do we have left to treat? Um, because what we'll find a lot of times is that the body will end up doing that if we give, if we give it the ability to come together that way, then we've, we've given our patients the physical ability to do what we're asking it to do. And that's, I think, the biggest piece, the missing piece, a missing piece. So I think that is the answer to the question that I was kind of having too, about what happens when you have somebody who has been seeing on Instagram, oh, I need to be doing these abdominal exercises, or maybe they've even bought a diastasis program that has a bunch of like, basically, again, abdominal strengthening stuff. That explanation of exactly how you're talking to them is basically that the DR is a symptom of a broader problem. That's not in and of itself the issue. And I, I would guess then, just because of what you've talked about, Nicole, before about strengthening and how long it takes to strengthen, this is the reason that you can see relatively rapid changes in a diastasis with your techniques, because it's not about spending six to eight weeks to strengthen muscles. It's actually slackening and loosening things that are, are putting extra tension or torque on the system. Yes, 100%. And then that's where, and, and not to say that we don't need to also, you know, strengthen the core and make sure that we're we're watching intra-abdominal pressure and, and seeing where else that's coming from and seeing if there's any other patterns of movement where there's an excessive amount of intra-abdominal pressure downwards or out, or the, we're definitely still looking at all that stuff. This is why this series is called A Missing Piece, not The Missing Piece. But I do feel like if we start in that back area, then a lot of the stuff that we are asking our patients to do becomes so much easier, both for them and for us, quite frankly. And I think it's it's helpful for patients to understand then just as like a, you know, take a, even a more macro view is that if we can make the connection between that there is a, that the diastasis that they're seeing is part of an entire system that includes the diaphragm and the pelvic floor and the back muscles and the front abdominal wall muscle, then it's not so far of a, st- a stretch to say like, hey, we actually need to lengthen these. We need to strengthen these things. You know, we need to like have a full blown full body approach 
to that so that it's not just, oh, here, fix this one thing and then I'm out. It's like, no, we are, that is a symptom of an unhealthy, essentially, full-blown abdominal wall that's been changing for nine or 10 months if we're seeing a diastasis after someone's been pregnant. And this might take a little bit longer of a time to sort of get everything back in order, although not as long as some might think if we're taking only strengthening as as a treatment approach. So as always, I'm sensing a recurring theme here, Nicole, but treat it as part of a system. 100%. And we have to look at the kinds of things that a new mom is doing. And this is what was shocking to me as well, is that we are, if you think about all of the other muscles that are that are influencing your spine with the, your newfound tasks that you're doing, you are you are have a lot of forward shoulder, internal rotation of the shoulder, all of that stuff help tightens latissimus dorsi, serratus. You're protracting your shoulders every two seconds to feed. Like there's a lot of other muscles that are influencing the external obliques specifically and the paraspinals just in the new task that a mom is is finding themselves having to do in addition to taking into consideration the changes to the pelvis and the abdominal wall during pregnancy. So there's a lot of things that we can be helping the system to be able to achieve, giving your patients the physical ability to do what you're asking them to do. So it, that is huge. It's so huge to make sure that you can't just say, hey, here, contract your transversus abdominis and that should fix everything. It's like, well, do they have the ability to do that? Do they have the correct core canister structure to be able to achieve that type of contraction? Maybe not. And that's what I'm I'm asking you guys to look at and see. So hope you guys are loving this series. We've been getting a ton of messages on all of this. If you have missed any of the ones in the past, feel free to go back and check those out. If you are enjoying these, feel free to drop a couple of stars and a review. We actually just love seeing those. That really makes us happy. It makes our day because this is a little one directional. We're all talking at this microphone and being able to hear back from you, whether that's an email, whether that's a DM, whether that's a uh, review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever they're calling it these days. It just really means the world to us, guys. So, so grateful for your listening. Hope this has been really helpful. As always, we want to keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise. 